So how many people are going to listen to this and edit it? Dave uh, uh, Pease will come up. He's the one who does all of the, he, he videotapes everything that happens in town, the, the parades and the uh, the meetings. And David then it goes, right Dave Pease. He lives in Pepperell. And he's the one that takes care of the Pepperell local channel. So he does everything down there for their TV channel. And then anything that goes on our TV channel, he's responsible for. He and Buddy Doherty. But Dave is the one that, because uh, he's around during the day. And he's the one who comes up here. And, and tapes everything for us, um, and he, he does a great job. He really does. Um, I trust him, <laughs> which makes a big difference. Mm. Um, and the rest of the uh, history committee, with the exception of Keith, um, all have jobs during the day. So I'm the, I'm the lucky one. I get to go out and visit <laughs> and interview, and I'm getting better at it. I have the recorder on, by the way. Oh, good. Yeah, what does Keith do for a living at the I don't know. I, I, I don't remember where he worked. I think he worked in a bank somewhere. And I don't know if that was one of those banks that was bought up by somebody else or what happened. But um, he'd been unemployed for quite a while. But he works now part-time at the uh, Brookline Library. Um, and he's involved in a lot of things. So, anyway... Uh, but he is the chair of the, uh, the history committee. And, uh, um, so now I have the, your mother's maiden name, so I can check on that. It's probably English also. Yeah, it's, I, I gave you the, we had the town written down somewhere. No, that's good. Mm -hmm. I can't remember now without talking to maybe Charlotte. One of the things that I wanted to talk to you about today um, was what you remember of the, you were building your service station at the same time they it's were building, building Route 13. So what are your memories of Route 13 and the construction and how did the town feel about it? Oh, the town loved it. Mm -hmm. it, uh, it got the center open, I mean, clear again of traffic. It was so bad going downtown that... Uh, because that was the main route mm -hmm. from from New York, New Jersey, and everything else mm -hmm. up until then. And we had a lot of people coming from New Jersey and New York in the summertime to go to the White Mountains. Mm -hmm. And this was the most direct way to Brookline mm -hmm. on 13. And uh, so then they changed 13 because of traffic. Oh, ice cubes. The traffic coming through town was... So bad, all the small towns, don't mm -hmm. just put my, they all did it for, for business reasons. That, mm -hmm. uh, they get business out of the tourists going through town and uh, picked up a few extra dollars because, mm -hmm. you know, local stores and things like that, mm -hmm. gas station local stores. And that was the reason that they, the politicians fought it for a long time and then they finally gave in because the traffic just increased unreliable, I mean, un unreasonable. Mm -hmm. it, uh, it just had to do anything downtown yourself if, if you wanted to go down there and do anything. And I remember that very well. Someone told me that um, a man who lived down in, who lives in Townsend, or West Townsend, says he used to come up here and visit his grandparents when he was a kid uh, growing up. I think his mother was born and raised, but I don't know what her name was. 
Ayotte, I think. But anyway, um, he said that there was part of the road, I think the old road, that they used to close down and have block parties and dances on. Do you remember anything like that? No. Do you? Uh, one of these days I'll get back. But anyway, um, going back to what you were talking about, the, the, the increased traffic, so the town did... They had to do yeah, something. They, they wanted it, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah I think the, the majority of the people, at least that I talked to, mm -hmm. they were all for it. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't find anybody, I guess, no data was against it. Mm -hmm. The only town that fought it was Milford, and Milford defeated it with the state for quite a few years after they built Brookline section. That's why you saw it stop, well maybe you didn't, but it, the first junction was up by just this side of Dump Road, right? Wasn't it right in there by uh, where that restaurant is now? Mexican restaurant? No. Well, the other was I was thinking yeah. of uh, Christie's on the other Christie's. side of the road. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, it was just That's where I was born. It was just on the upper side of this, where Christie's restaurant is now. Mm -hmm. The first, the, the first section of the road that they did, ended right there, somewhere right in that location, and then the next session, section was done, from there to. What the foot of the hill way, where Lull's farm is now? I think that's where the next one ended on that downgrade there. I'm I'm close, but I may not be exact. And then it, and then it stayed for a few years, because then Milford wouldn't give up with the people coming through the center. They said they lost too much, and it was a it was, remember, remember how bad it was if, if you went to. It's a mess all, now. On the weekends, <laughs> if you went to if you went to Milford on the weekend, your your chances of getting through, well, it would probably take half an hour, three quarters of an hour, just to move through the middle of Milford. And because the common was still there, everything is exactly then as it is now, and there's no differences I can see. And you had to go across the bridge and then swing right to stay on 13, go up to Amos. Amos had given up there section there. They were happy to get rid of it, but Milford was not. Hmm. Milford politicians hung on and hung on and hung on. And they finally had to give in, I guess, because guess. the state finally said, no, we, we've let you had your way long enough. And uh, that's as I remember it now. Mm -hmm. And the state forced them to come, come around with the rest of the crew because it was, it just didn't work. It eventually happened, of course. That's why it was bypassed on this side of Milford, down toward. Chapel. Uh, Pardon? Chapel? Yeah, well, we used to, the old road went down the hill. Just as you go down the hill by Chapel Tractor, mm -hmm. if you look, there's another road over to the left that went down a steep hill. Right I used to drive down. Storage. The storage yeah. place there. Oh, oh, where the storage? Oh, oh, I know. Yeah, that. Okay, road. back this yeah. way from there. That was the old road. There's a road that swings to the right, and that used to be the old 13, and that's when they, uh, that's when that, where they left it. The rest of it was the base of 13. Speaking of Milford, 
Uh, I told you I'd try to find your records from 44-45. Well, this past week there was not, nobody at the high school because of the uh, February vacation. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I called this morning. I talked to the librarian. and She said, oh, she said, we don't have any. She said, they didn't even have any yearbooks back in those days. And I said, oh, that's interesting. And she said, that she, had, she knows that the records that she has at the high school do not go back that far in the library. So she asked me, you want to talk to our athletic director? Well, I haven't, I mean, I haven't seen him since I retired from up there. Mark Moore is still there. So he and I had a lovely conversation, catching up. And he said, no, all he has is back from the early 90s. Oh, boy. And so while we're talking, he says, why don't you try the Milford Library? And I said, oh, now there's a thought. I like talking to people because then I get all these ideas. And then while he and I were talking about the possibility there, I thought, well, why not the cabinet? The cabinet has been, how long has the Milford cabinet been in? Uh, because they're always think, they're always publishing things, you know. They always have that little section that goes back 25 years, 50 years, 75 they years. They were there when I was in school. Yeah. So I said, aha, the light went on. So that will be my next project for you is to get up there and they also the librarian at the high school wants all my old yearbooks from up there I'm getting I'm downloading <laughs> well I got written up in the Towns and Times and in the Pittsburgh Sentinel but that, that isn't the information I was really looking for no I, I you want the your record I wanted the uh, the batting average records mm -hmm. which is all you need is the times up and the times hips and so on and so forth well, we will see. Because I wasn't looking so much for for that kind of publicity. Mm -hmm. at the, you know. No, but I think the cabinet. I don't know what they were doing back then, but now they always have the batting averages, and you know they always mm. have something in the articles about who was doing what. So that's another possibility. I haven't given up. I'm, okay. I'm very persistent. No, I was what I was looking for is if the if the school. I have pictures and everything like that of the team and everything like that. What I don't have is a copy of the. Uh, score sheet as mm -hmm. you as you come up the bat mm -hmm. of, the, of the team itself, mm -hmm. and uh, that's what I'm. That's what I was looking for, but I'm not sure I'm gonna. If Milford High School have, doesn't yeah. have it, my guess is, why would anybody else have it? Because it was all done by the team. Well, when itself. you were in high school, the building that they have now was not built into what the late. 70s maybe? I don't know when that the, the present high school was built. But when you were in high school in Milford, what was the building you went to? Hal C. Bales. Bales? Bales. Mm Hal -hmm. C. Bales. Yeah. It's right on Elm Street. Oh, we used to have our car washes there trying to make money for the class. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I will keep after it. That, that's where but I went to high school. if you have pictures that I could scan? <laughs> of the team. You know what? That photo's in my drawer, if I'm right. You want to let me take it home and scan it, and then I'll bring it right back? <laughs> because that that would be part of the history. And yeah, I'll show you what I looked like when I was a <laughs> 16-year-old kid. And you, when I was talking to Mark, I said that I told him what I was looking for, and I mentioned your name, and I said I was interviewing you for the history committee, and I said, and when you were playing baseball, a lot of times you had to walk back to Brookline from the high school, hmm. and he said he did what? 
I said you had to walk home. So. It's a long walk. Mm -hmm. I mean, I said you get home, we'll have to die. Oh. Well, after that. Of course, back then, you didn't have the road we got now. The old 13 was there then. Mm -hmm. And they had to come all the way down into town, either that or swing off on the railroad track, up north on the dump road. Mm -hmm. And when the railroad, there's mm -hmm. a passing yeah. where the ski girls use it now. That's the mm -hmm. old railroad track. And I used to swing off to 13 and get on the railroad track, if it was before dark. But to walk down the railroad track after dark was taking your chances. You know, you're getting hit in the face with a bush that sticks out here and you forgot about it. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, so I used to avoid doing the railroad track after dark. Mm -hmm. I'd do it before it got dark. And if I thought I could make it to the other end before it got real dark, and I would do that too. But most of the time I wouldn't get there early enough to do that. Mm -hmm. So I'd have to walk all the way down to Springville Avenue, and then up the hill, and then back down the hill and come up here. But, uh, and at that time, we lived on Cleveland Hill. Yeah, we lived over on Cleveland Hill. Have you ever been out to um, Nebraska where your mother was born? Did you ever visit? No, the only, the only time in Nebraska was on a tour trip. Mm -hmm. And that was just, you know, set up by the tour. Mm -hmm. That's the only time I've never been other than that. When you were in school, were you a good student? <laughs> <laughs> well, I in your opinion. Uh, probably. Well, some of the teachers liked me <laughs> and some didn't. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I guess I was an outspoken type kid, and if I had something to say, I, I would say it, and sometimes I get myself in trouble doing it. But uh, I, I'll give you one incident that, that still bothers me even today, but it's to the point where I still think I was right. I don't care what the adults thought in those days. And it all stemmed over the war. And we had a scrap drive day in the fall. And we went out and picked up all the junk, iron, copper, any metals that we could find. And even then, I think they, even then they was taking old tires. If we could find old tires and stuff like that, because I guess they re reused the rubber in the tire or something which we didn't know much about in those days, because I was only about 15, 16 years old when we had the scrap drive. And we carried it back, and it was a, what they, there used to be, which school did you teach out of, the new one? Yeah. You, didn't, you never taught out of the old high school, mm -hmm. out of the Halsey Bales. Well, there was a track out back on the Wesley end of it, and it was supposedly a quarter of a mile around it. And they covered that inside of that track with the metal that we picked up, metal and scrap tires and stuff like that, all scrap. We did a hell of a job of picking up stuff in Milford. Milford probably really liked to see the kids out picking up this stuff, cleaned up the town a little bit. But nevertheless, we, we picked up a tremendous amount of stuff. And they sold it to, I think, maybe I shouldn't use the name, but maybe you want to 
crazy, but I was, the guy had a junkyard on Nashville Street, right where the little fish market is. And his name was Dunkley, I think. Now, I'm not absolutely sure that Dunkley bought the scrap metal. But whoever bought it, they took all the big stuff and all the little stuff. It was too much work to pick up and, and haul off, I guess. So they asked the school to rake the track by hand and pile the stuff in piles and they would go pick it up. And uh, so the guy's last name was Hall. He was one of our teachers in the shop class that I was in. And he came to me one day and he said, the headmaster would like to have you take, I don't know, six or eight guys and go out and rake the track and all the scrap metal that's left over that hasn't been picked up in the pile so that they can pick it up. I said, you're kidding. And he said, no. Well, I said, I'm not either. And I'm not going to ask six or eight of these guys, my classmates, to go out and rake the track when they get paid for the scrap metal. And I assume that they get paid to clean it up. Mm -hmm. And if they didn't clean it up, why are you asking us to do it? It's a good thing I went by page by page in this folder. Because <laughs> I never would have found it. Is that what you was looking for? Yep. That was in this, this here. Class. But, but I, had to go, I had to go through everything. That's, that's the that's uh, a, yeah, military. Yeah, that's the town, yeah. But, uh, Can you see me there? Yeah, she's looking. <laughs> I'll leave that here so I forget to where it goes. You can't pick it out. It's very obvious. Uh, is, is he the most mischievous looking one in there? <laughs> right in the front. This one. No. Nope, right there. No? Nope. No. <laughs> The corner right there. Doesn't that look like George? Handsome. Yes, of course. <laughs> you know, this is this is how old were you when this was taken? Oh boy, I don't remember the year. But that was my let me see, that's Kale. One of the bird boys. Is, is there anybody from Brookline other than you? Winston Hall up there. Oh Winston Hall. Oh, oh my god. Oh yeah. Oh. That's me and that's, oh, what's the name of those people from Wilson? Oh, no, I don't, that's Mahoney. That's Mahoney there, yeah. and that's Donna Cahill, that's David Dean, and that's Buddy Hutchison, Merton Bird, and that was my class president. Uh, oh, yeah. Harry Buxton. Buxton. Don Sturvant, Winston Hall, J.P. Bird. And that was, oh boy, and that was Pomeroy, my, my math teacher. Is he in there? Yeah, he's on, the, he's on the end here. Oh, he, he, he was our coach. I was wondering who that was. I, was yeah, I can name all of them. I can remember them all. He was a, ooh, I didn't like him. Well, not many, many people did like him. I didn't like him at first, but I guess so I... I had a little more respect for him after I played ball for a while. And he, uh, and he also did something that I wasn't appreciative of. And one, one of these kids come to me, 
But I was a good hitter. And I hit a long ball for a kid my size. I used to, I put two home runs in the, the river over there. If you've ever been down to the ballpark there, mm-hmm. it's quite a poke. It, it really is. And, and I would have had three home runs, except that one of them hit a, one of the big pines out in dead center and bounced back into the fielder's hand. But I get written up in the Fishburg Sentinel on that one, and, and I told them times I get to Manchester Union. But I haven't got any of the clippings. I didn't save clippings in those days. And I was even scouted by the Red Sox in 1943. 43 or 44. Oh, I can't remember now. It was long in those years, 43 or 44, I was scouted by the Red Sox. I went down and tried out. And uh, then I had to go in the service, so I joined the service. And I never, I never followed through with it when I came back. A lot of people tried to get me to, to go to Stanford, Connecticut. I think it was had a, a major league team there. And I had a chance to go play for Vermont. What's Balbo? Balbo, I guess it is. They had a class, I'm, I'm going to say C, it wasn't A. I think Stanford had A. And some of these other towns up through the states here had class B and C. But you only got paid a hundred dollars a month. Was it two hundred? Nowadays they make more in a minute than that. <laughs> well, that's, well that's true. Mm-hmm. But the thing is back then, you know, you had that money of your own, otherwise you, you you couldn't do it. And they said, well somebody will give you a job and, and they'll give you a place to stay. You know, all the businesses around and all the town really looked forward to the small uh, minor league type teams, and they was they was helping all they could with the finances with the guys that were playing. But I said, nah, that means I'm gonna if if I don't make out, I'm gonna be losing a year or two of something that I probably could do better with. My brother and I got to talking, and he was a mechanic working on B-17s in the service during the Second World War, and I was on board ship working on diesel engines down below deck. And that's how we got through it. He was, he was mechanic on B-17s and I was mechanic on the diesel engines on board ship. So. And that was Sonny? It was Sonny. That's, uh, so we, that's how we got started. We just decided we'd build a business. And then, of course, we found out that Route 13 was going to be done. And we got the Route 13 and decided to look for a piece of land. My father found a piece of, I think it was Claire Chouette, right? Does that sound right? Claire, yeah. Claire Chouette owned. Peter had died, I think. So he asked her if he could buy it, and, she's, and she was getting elderly, like people do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she said, yeah, she'd sell it, but I won't tell you the reasons why she would sell it to him, but she had a reason why she'd sell it to him. And he, and he told her what he wanted it for. He said, my boys want to start a business. And he said that uh, they'll probably be working on it down there. So she said, yeah, she sold it. So she sold it. And my father gave us the land, and we built the building. 
and when we needed some bulldozer work done, because it was a little knoll right where my grad sat, and we used the dirt from the knoll to, to level off to give us some more area. Mm -hmm. And uh, so when we had to have some bulldozer work, one of the guys working for Watkins, Watkins was the one that did the job. R.G. Watkins, wasn't it? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if you're... She, uh, she's only two years younger, but... <laughs> I wasn't, didn't know you then. No. I lived in this end of town, you lived on the other. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> we, uh, we started the building and, and, uh, and worked on it, and we, we opened up in June of 1948, and the road opened up in November 1947, if I remember right. So we... We were a little lacking now in time, but we were new at building buildings, too. So anyway, that's pretty much the history of that. We came a long way after that. Yes, you did. Now, as far as the cranberry bog, the reason why we, they couldn't on the cranberry, because my father had, had the nine-acre bog, which he bought from O.D. Pheasant, which he bought from Fred Farnsworth. And uh, O.D. and he had a contract where my father was doing the sorting of cranberries, or looking over, or running them through the winnowing machine and boxing them. And they used to sell them in both half-bell boxes and quarter-bell boxes. And, that went, and it was all sold that way. There wasn't nothing in pound bags or anything like that. So they went along and then they find, my father finally said, well, hey, I'm working, doing all the work and O.D. getting half of the profits said uh, something's going to change here. So they did, they changed. My father bought O.D. out and uh, bought the bog. But the cranberry business was over as far as small places like Nine Acre Bog. Mm -hmm. so there was quite a few of them around the family down to Massachusetts. I mean, it was all forced to fold up, and my father had to make some decisions. And when I came home in the service in the Second World War in 1946, they were still doing cranberries, and but they had to put them in a pound bag, and with his name on it, and where they came from, so on and so forth. And that's what he had to do. And so, where well, he didn't have the equipment or the money to buy it, probably, you know packaging machines and mm -hmm. bagging and so on and so forth. And they each had to weigh a pound. That's the way they sold them in order, back in the very beginning, was a pound bags. And they got along all right there for a little bit, I guess, but then I finally got to figuring it out. And in 46, when I came home, he said, this is probably the last year that we'll do this. He said, right, we may do it next year, but he said, I can't guarantee it. I th don't think he did. I think. 46 was the last year that he did it. And what it boiled down to is he figured out his time, and the time doing the bagging was more than he could make working for anybody without any hesitation at all. So Clarence has, I think Clarence told me he still has one of those bags that my father used to use. I don't have one, but he had one at the... What they used to have to do each bag separately, you know, measure out a pound of cranberries and then bag them up and tie them, whatever, seal them. Somebody told me that there was a difference between the cranberries, I don't know if it was the taste or the size, 
between what you had up here and what they have down towards the cave. Don't you kid yourself. <laughs> <laughs> that, was a, that was whoever doing the, doing the measurement of the cranberries, and they was trying to get rid of these small guys. And that's what they were doing. They were grading, the, they call it grading, cranberries at A, B, and C. And the best my father could do was, was B. And, and his cranberries were all graded as A before that time came along. It was the time when they were trying to do away with these guys. That's the truth. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know who told you what you I don't even what remember. You heard, but that's, that's not the way it was. That's the way it happened, but that's not the way it was. If big business can really get rid of the little guys if he wants to. And that's how they get rid of the cranberries. My father was just smart enough to recognize it and get out. Yeah. Another question for you. Um, did your family own the land, your father owned the land, all the way down to the lake? Yeah. Because I was told that the uh, owners of the ice house owned the shoreline all the way around the entire lake. No, they did not. No. They did not. They did not own this section here because Fred Fernandez did. This section that I own and my sister owned, she's since passed away, but now her, her son owns it, my nephew. He owns what was it? I get a portion of the cranberry bog on mm -hmm. my piece, mm -hmm. and the rest of it goes with that place over there. And she's, uh, she's owned that since she bought it. My father owned it for years. And the, and the ice company never did. They tried to buy it. Mm -hmm. Many times, but Fred's, Fred Fanders was too smart for him. He was just a small guy, as I understand it. I've heard many stories about him. And he didn't take any guff from any of those guys. He was just strong enough so that he, he threatened to knock the head off me. And he grabbed a, I understood he grabbed a four foot piece of cordwood off the pile down to the mill down to the ice house one day and chased some one of the wheels around the ice house down there. Threatening them. Back in those days you get away with that. Today you, <laughs> today you just call cops and they come wailing out with the sirens. So how did the rest of the cottages all the way down to the, okay, the, the, the down to the this, this piece of land here that is a Kremlin bar now, which you mm -hmm. know, went down to where Clarence's camp is. Uh -huh. where where that lady that works at the bank is renting now. Uh, Maryland. Yeah, that's where Marshalls had that place. The Marshalls. Okay. OD, that went with this. And when OD bought this, he got that. And then when OD sold the cranberry bog to my father, he kept this from this corner post right down here. Mm -hmm. He kept that section down to Clarence's place, which is where the Marshalls all. Follow me? Mm -hmm. Okay, that little section there, O.D. kept. This, my father kept. And that's the only, that's the only piece that the Metropolitan Ice Company did not own. This section right there. And they kept trying to ooze it out of Fred Finder. And Fred was just too smart for him. They was gonna dig a channel all the way from what we call North Stream into what they call this one, South Stream. And, uh, and they were going to take some of his land just so they could get the water from Fred said, no. He said, I'll deed you, sell you and deed you 
and strip down through that Frieda Canal, but you're not going to buy the piece of land that borders the lake, which was this piece here, because mm -hmm. they owned the other piece up above anyway. So he's, they finally got that through their head that he wasn't selling it to them, and there was no way they could make them. And what, what, the reason for the Metropolitan Ice Company having the rights around the lake, because they had it sewed up. So that you couldn't even use the lake except in the summertime. You couldn't use it in the wintertime. They couldn't ice fish in the wintertime. They had that shut down. You couldn't go out there and cut holes in their ice because they had, had the rights to it. They also had the rights to con control the high, high water mark on the lake itself because there was a dam on the south end of the lake, which is still there. Mm -hmm. And they had flashboards in there. And they could put the flashboards on to raise the water. This bog down here had the entrance from the little brook that comes down through it. And then what we call a sluiceway, which is on this side of it. The river itself and the brook had flashboards, which there was a gateway there, and you could put flashboards on to flood the cranberry bog. And if they got done scooping cranberries with these, they would flood the bog and float the cranberries that dropped off the, the scoops down under the, into the grass and stuff. And they would dam it up and float the berries. And they would come out through the sluiceway because they'd take a, bag, take a plank off. And they would stand there and scoop the cranberries as the water receded from the uh, cranberry bog. That's where they get the rest of the cranberries in the, in the bell. I made myself that's very. That's I find that very very interesting. It's uh, I can remember. Tell. <laughs> I'm I'm not absolutely sure, but I think I remember the the sluiceway being de destroyed, and we started to work on it to fix it back up again. We poured some cement, and if you go down there and look now, you'll see some pieces of the old railroad ties. You've seen them, haven't you? Mm -hmm. The old railroad tie sticking out of cement, which we put in. We was going to fix up the sluiceway to do the same thing, but time got away from it. And then the fight over cranberry grading come into view, and they forced they forced these small guys out. If we ever get rid of the snow, I would like to take a walk down there <laughs> and look at it. You, it's not like you're, no, you're more than welcome, but yeah, gotta wear boots. Wear boots. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, if she mm -hmm. wants to walk down yeah, there. Yeah, don't. Yeah. It used to be nice and dry, yeah. but the beavers yeah. got in there now, yeah. and and they get all jammed up. The, the beavers are, are the biggest reason that the bog probably mm -hmm. doesn't have many cranberries on it now. Mm -hmm. But I've, Nancy, I've been down there in the 50s. We, I used to scoop a couple of bushels of cranberries oh, every yeah. year mm -hmm. and bring them up. We used to make cranberry juice. We made cranberry juice, we made cranberry wine. Well, we just did that once. Cranberry wine? Cranberry wine. Yeah. Uh, was, that, was that what Jim made? That's what Jim made. Yeah. It's the prettiest wine you'd ever yeah, want to look pretty. at. Oh, gorgeous color. Pretty. Yeah. 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 But it, uh, as far as I'm concerned, it was the lousiest wine I ever tasted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. I, uh, yeah, something about it. It's probably really tart. Pro yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it had a flavor that. I'm not sure. You and I just like good old cranberry sauce. 
Yeah, we, uh, we, we used to eat cran <laughs> we eat cranberry sauce when I had the cranberries, of course. We, she just cooked cranberries. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. what my mother used to have. You know, the whole hull and everything. We didn't yeah. just strain it and, and drink and eat the uh, cranberry sauce from juice or whatever you want to call it. We ate the cranberry sauce because all the cranberry was in the sauce, all the way. Anyway, that's, that's pretty much what happened to the cranberry bog. I can't think of anything else, can you? Well, then I have another, another topic. Um, I don't know when it started or when, I know it's not in existence anymore, but you had a theater group here in town, and I, I think that Clarence and Marsha were very involved in that. I very, I, I don't remember very much say, about that, because I wasn't in involved in it, Nancy, so I can't. I, I remember the group. Mm -hmm. They did have a, mm -hmm. a, a yeah. theater group. Mm -hmm. and she said not many people, the Phillips were involved in that. Yeah. And, uh, oh, there was, quite, there was quite a few people involved, but they couldn't, you couldn't get the people mm -hmm. to uh, hmm. back them. Is that what I want to say? Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. People, we didn't get involved in it at all. I'm I can't think of anybody else. No, I'm trying to think of that. Why it didn't? Why it didn't take? And that's the only reason I can think of it. The people hmm. didn't take to it. They, I, I, they didn't get very good attendance. Let's put it that way. That's the way I see it. You, maybe you can find somebody. Yeah, I can't, I can't think of well, Vicki Pope and I, uh, well, I think I must have said something to uh, Tad Putney uh, about, somebody said something to me about all that stuff that's up in the balcony that's been up there for years. And I was a cat in another life. I love to snore. <laughs> and Vicki Pope and I, I went up there one time and I thought, look at all this stuff. And it's a, and then... Scotty Knowles told me, he said, that's really a fire hazard, that should be cleaned out. So Vicki Pope and I, there were boxes up there from when they did, redid the town hall, uh, from the computers and things that they installed. They just put all of that um, cardboard and, and that trash, instead of getting rid of it, they put it up there. And it, really, it was a fire hazard. Mm -hmm. So Vicki and, and Barry and I went up there and uh, we cleaned all that out. But then we were uncovering all of these things from the theater room. And there are posters with, with photographs and things, and uh, Vicki and I did clean up a bunch of them and tried to sort them according to the year, and so we need to get somebody down there to identify some of those people, because that, that too should go to the Historical Society. You might get Clarence and Masha. I, I don't think of anybody else. What about jo no, Jody Tosco? She hasn't been here that long. No. That wouldn't be, no. Jerry, well, Jerry and Lot Phillips, but of course they're both, both passed away, so you can't talk to them. It won't do any good. <laughs> oh, you'd be surprised who I could talk to. <laughs> I'm still talking to my father. <laughs> well, if you, have a, if you have a way of getting through to him, let me know. <laughs> oh. But it was. Vicki recognized some of them, um, and she said, but some of the others, and then I think she recognized Marcia and Clarence, and I said, well, somebody who's still with us, I need to get them down there and finish We didn't finish it because it got so cold up there. I mean, it's not really heated, and I'm not about to ask them to turn the heat on for that. Uh, Tad just gave me, he said, go ahead and clean it out, <laughs> please. Thinking back, 
Nancy, back to those days, I, I off the top of my head, I can't think of anything, anybody any better, maybe than Claude, to give you some information. Mm -hmm. He's always been interested in the town, mm -hmm. and yeah, he might. He might uh, I don't know who else, Would except Jerry and Lot Phillips, and they're gone. Would Clarence uh, allow me to interview him? Is he the kind that... Oh, I mean, he won't would... be back till May 1st. Where is he? They're, Florida. They, they've been in Florida, in Florida for four months this year. Is he like the 1st of January? You blame it's them? It, you mean they missed all of this? <laughs> now, they live right out along here, too, don't they? Pardon? Don't they live out here along? I mean, their yeah, home is out here. Yeah, down on the lake. Yeah. It's down on the lake. Yeah, nice little place down there. I own one place down there. Clarence owns two or three. Now, Jerry is their son. Yeah. yeah. And he was born and raised here, too. So, I think, I mean, has Gentlemen? he been here all his life, too? Pardon? Has Jerry been here all his life, also? Yeah. 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 Yes. Mm -hmm. J Jerry, yeah. yeah. They right. all have a, to Toby went to, lives in Lee. Lee. Mm -hmm. But they got Randy and Jerry live here, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, otherwise I can't help you, Nancy, yeah. I can't. Well, that's all right. I, 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 I completely forgot about that the yellow. I can't, yeah. I can't recall anybody. I know that Peter Cook was involved in that. Peter Cook? Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, you're right, not to mention his name. And Richard Magakian, the... Uh, oh, the Mahakians. Mahakians, is that how you pronounce it? Mahakian? She's still here, doesn't she? Still I don't know she is. She yeah. She's not a teacher anymore. No. I, I think she retired. Pardon? I think she retired. Yes, she I, I think so. God, I haven't seen her for years. I have another name for you. Miriam Jepson. Oh, she's been dead. She, oh, I know she's, she's long yeah. gone. Um, does she have any family here in town yet? No. no. Not, not in Brooklyn. Chiggy Jepson is... Charles Jepson is retired from teaching school over in Ashby. Ashby. Ashby, Ashby. I have I have his phone number, but I've never met the man, and I feel very hesitant. I said, you know, give me an address so I can write to him and let him know that this weird in, woman that's calling him on the phone <coughs> is for real. In, he's in Florida right now. Well, then that's one of my summer projects. He's down in. I down know in that Key West, or oh, down close to Key West. If we could get a plane in the air, I'd go visit them. <laughs> oh, he's a funny guy. Yeah. You got a, a dry sense They're of humor. They're on the East Coast, aren't they, in Florida? The, the Jepsons? Are they on the East Coast? Because the, the, well, that's the East Coast, the key. You have to go across the state to see them? Yeah, well, that's the, the Key West. Key West. Yeah, but them. I didn't think they were way down in Key West, the Jepsons. I mean, I didn't, well, it I may not be in Key West here, but down, down in that... Lower hang of Florida. I didn't know that. I, I thought they were more in the middle of Florida. Okay. I have cousins on both sides of the family that live in the villages. Oh, and Clarence and Clarence and right now in the villages. And, oh, oh Nancy, you should come down and you'd love it here. And we have we do this every day and we do that every day. And I thought, oh, I'd be bored out of my skull in one week. <laughs> Just not my lifestyle. Yeah. Just well, not it's not Clarence's lifestyle either. It's all nauseous. I would, that does not surprise me. I mean, that Clarence would 
rather be here and, and doing stuff. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay. I'm surprised Clarence did the four months, but I guess that she put up such a fuss or whatever, and he agreed to it. So, I'm here for four months. Now, according to things that I've heard from a variety of people, Miriam Jepson kept journals. She did, but and she was very selfish with it. Maybe that's not the right word to use, but she was very domineering. Domineering, I guess, over all the information that she ever got, mm -hmm. and she wouldn't share it with anybody. She kept it all herself. Well, whatever happened to her journals? Because somebody said that. I think, I think Charlie Jepson, Chinky Jepson, I call him. I think he's the one that gave it to Alan Fenton, and nobody knows what's happened. I don't. You might want to edit that. <laughs> well, if I can get in touch with, I have Charlie Jepson's phone number, uh, but as I said, you know, get a hold of him. He might be able to. He might be able to tell you whether he have any of those or whether mm -hmm. he has not got them now. I don't think, mm -hmm. but he might be able to tell you who he gave them to, because mm -hmm. his mother left all the stuff there, mm -hmm. and Clarence, where well, Clarence was so interested in historical mm -hmm. society. He thought that Charlie should have, he was his classmate of his, and Clarence can't understand why he didn't approach him on it, and never knew anything about it until he'd already given them to Alan Fenton. Mm -hmm. well, I, will, I will check on that. And Alan, as I understand it, kept some of the stuff. Now, is he still alive? Oh, Alan? Alan. Yeah. Okay. Now, I think he is related to Keith? Thompson? Yeah, it would be Keith's uncle. I would think uncle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, be careful. Uh, Alan was in Virginia? Alan, the last I knew was in, uh, in Virginia. I think but he Virginia. has a place over here in Portsmouth. His daughter. Well, he kind of says it. He kind of says it's his, but I don't know. I don't know whose it is. Oh. But they do. The family has a place over here in Portsmouth. Oh. I, I, don't I know. thought that was. I thought that was his daughter's. I've, I've heard it both ways. Bits, bits and pieces. I, I, I follow a trail. I, I take notes and, okay, okay. Well, I will try to find this person. But um, the committee. Well, you might. I don't. I, with that, I, I don't want to. <laughs> I'll come out here sometime without it. Um, I could uh, give you quite a lot of history here that might be taken long, that's all. I know there's been a search for the, the journals. I mean, it's well established around town by a lot of people that those journals exist, but nobody seemed to know where they were. That's why. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just told so you what, what Should I, they be in the historical society, in my opinion, and yours? Yes. Um, so maybe we can track them down somehow. But I will try to get in touch with uh, uh, Charles Jepson, you know, over the uh, summer when everybody, when, when, the, when the snow and the ice and everything is gone. Uh, I do have his phone number. Liz, he lives in North Carolina. Who? Alan Fesden. Okay. Yeah, it's up in that very Edmonton, upper corner. North Carolina. Yeah, it's on the coastline. Edmonton? 
they're having quite the, they're having a nasty weather down there. Well, that's right, too. that's right, too. He was, forgot about him, he's in North Carolina, because yeah. they had such uh, problems with the weather. For some reason, I thought that was Virginia, but yeah. you're right, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'll just say that envelope. Well, my brother called from, called yesterday to see, I got my stitches out on Friday. I see that. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> They've had colder weather in Williamsport and Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, than we've had here. <coughs> Excuse me. They haven't had the snow that we have. It's been bitter cold down there. Oh. My brother's 74. He's still working full-time. He's doesn't matter that if he, feels no. if he likes if he likes to do it. But the work he's doing now, he loves, which is good, which yeah. is good. Yeah, that's that's a good scoop, and I my honest opinion is that scoop actually came from the Cape for scooping cranberries. Because oh. my father, well, I've had it since we got married. Because I asked my father for it then, so I could scoop cranberries for myself, and he gave it to me. He kept one, and Clarence. I'm glad you knew where it was. I I, I didn't even know where it was down south. Oh yeah, I knew where mm. it was. That's good. No, I, didn't, <laughs> I, I didn't know where it was. George. George has the one that my father used to scoop with, oh. which is a little shade bigger than that. Probably. My guess is probably about two inches bigger than that one, inch and a half anyway. Mm -hmm. Bigger than that. Now, who has that? My nephew over here. And the reason he's got it is because it was just left there. My father had it for all those years, and, and nobody else asked for it. I, the reason I had this one is because I wanted to scoop cranberries with it. I used to pass through a bunch of cranberry vines that width, mm -hmm. and, and, and that's all I could get in that scoop. Just imagine all that. The, the ground was just, just buried with cranberries. Oh, wow. And when I passed that scoop through, that was only one year that I had it happen to me. The rest of the time you had to go through two or three times to fill the scoop. But you did lose them when you when you when you roll this up. There was a way to do it. That's the reason you see the mm -hmm. the, the back being rolled. See, mm -hmm. Just so that when as you pass through, you you start to pick up your your front teeth, mm -hmm. so that you wouldn't lose the cranberries. There was a knack to it, but it wasn't all that tricky. Just normal for us, most of us. Now, did Sonny do that too, or? Not to my knowledge. <laughs> Not to my knowledge. I, I was the only one who took any interest in it. I think Sonny did come and get some cranberries a few times, so I understood. Oh, yeah? I don't, I would, I don't need that. But, I don't think he did it a few times, but yeah. Sonny was not he might one. Have come once. Sonny was not one to do. Yeah. I was one to do all these oh, extra, extra things. Sonny was different. But Sonny was not one to do that. No. Silas would. Yeah, Silas, he's interested. <laughs> Silas is that little, not little anymore. Was he eight, nine, nine, ten, nine? Nine years old, ten years old. Yeah, nine or ten now. Yeah. He's, he's one of uh, one of Clarence's 
grandsons. And he loves Uncle Judge because they can talk about the farming and the vegetables and planting seeds and the tree, cutting tree. He, oh God, he knows everything. <laughs> oh boy, he's, he's smart. But he comes up and curious. When they come to visit, he comes up and brings me a dozen eggs. He has his chickens, and got eggs, and he sits here and he talks with his uncle. He talks like an adult. Yeah, he does. Honestly, you'd be proud of him if you a teacher. Mm -hmm. If he was his teacher, you'd be proud of him because he, uh, so they he's don't so knowledgeable. Mm -hmm. the, the parents don't bother to call to find out if he's all right or anything because he stays here so long that they know he's talking <laughs> with him. Is he still there? <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I told oh him how. Boy. He's, I showed him how to plant potatoes. Yep. He's going to be a farmer. I showed him how to plant corn and rows so that they, the stocks would protect each other, mm -hmm. so that the wind wouldn't blow them over. Because if you plant them just one at a time, and the wind comes through from the right direction, everything lays over just like somebody cut them with a side. But you plant them in little hills. Mm -hmm. If you're doing just one or two rows, plant them in hills, you can plant them such that they will protect each other so the wind won't blow them over. You're not a farmer, so you probably don't understand. But oh, I understand that. Silas, he understands it. <laughs> he even knows how to cut trees. Oh, <laughs> now that I don't. I can oh, watch somebody God. do that, but I don't think I would attempt it. I have well, you one. should have some knowledge if you're going to do it. A lot of trees grow in such a way, but as I told Silas and a lot of others, just get started with it. When you look at a tree to cut, you've got to look and see where the limbs are. If the limbs are on one side, that's going to pull the tree that, in that particular direction. So if you want to follow in a different direction, you're going to notch it just right, and you may have to put some leverage on it to pull it in that direction, or maybe use a wedge in order to tip it in that direction. So there's a little bit more to do than just running out to a tree and cutting it. You're going to saw to cut it down with it. A little bit more to it. You're going to study it a little bit. When we lived in Oregon uh, during the war, when my dad was stationed out there, we used to go down and stand on the bridge over the Willamette River and watch the loggers sh shooting those logs down into the, the river, and then they would be out there running. I can remember seeing them what, in running. in Columbia? Up. No, out in Oregon. Well, the Columbia comes out of Oregon. Uh, yeah, the Columbia, but we, we, used to see, we used to see this on the Willamette River. I went up to the Columbia River on board ship. USS Fallen 81, we went into a dry dock up there somewhere mm -hmm. and had a front economizer tube sticks. Yeah, I remember doing that. You know, I like the people in Oregon. I said, if there's any other state in this country, while well, I was in the service, and the one that I hit, mm -hmm. I said, the only one other than New England, New Hampshire, is Oregon out on the West Coast. If I were to move to the West Coast, it would be Oregon. Yeah. I like the people. Mm -hmm. I talked talk to them and they're very, very friendly. Mm -hmm. And they did not suffer during the Depression because of the, the farming and the, the cooperation of the towns. I mean, they all worked together and made sure everybody was fed. And just, even, even today, there's this a very strong community feeling that they're all looking out for each other. Well, anyway...
didn't know he had such a good looking picture left. I got the name I got the name on the back. Mm-hmm. I will scan I, I'm both glad sides. I went through every page because otherwise I wouldn't have known that you know everything that was in the folder. You know, Fred Palmer, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a quick little story about Fred. He was my math teacher. He was, he was a good math teacher, but he was no, no prize as far as, what do I want to say, popularity goes? Mm -hmm. Everybody recognized him, but that was about it. Anyway, when I was playing baseball one day, one of these kids come over to me and said, how the hell do you hit a ball so far? And had. Oh, I said, get up there and swing at it. Show me how you hold your bat. Well, when he said that, Pomeroy came over and said, said to me, he said, go up and take your uniform off. He said, you're all done for the day. Okay. See, so, you know, so I left him, went up and took my uniform off and hung it on his door. So the next day he comes to me in, in the school, in the class, and he said, I didn't mean that I was expelling you from the team. Oh, I said, well, you told me to take my uniform off, and I didn't, and I hung it on your door so you'd have it. Oh, he said, that isn't what I meant. Well, I'm sorry, I guess I misunderstood you, but you got it. Were you coming out tonight? And I said, no, I'm not coming out tonight. And I didn't go out for, I don't know, three, four nights. And after about four days, I had so many of my teammates coming to me and say, ah, oh, forget it. I said, well, maybe you can forget it. I said, but it's not that easy for me. I said, I, I don't think I did anything wrong. If he was picking on, shouldn't have been picking on anybody. It was a kid that asked me, not me. The kid was asking me a question, and I was doing my best to show him how I held the bat. Now, I realize it's not my job to teach the kid how to, how to hit. That's the coach's job. But I'm not the kid that asked the question. He's the other kid. So anyway, my technicality didn't seem to go too far, so I waited four or five days, and I saw him on the, in the school, and I said, uh, is that... Uh, Position of mine still open or is that shut down? No, it's still open, he said. I said, well, I'll be out tonight then. You can put my uniform back in my locker and we'll go from there. So I went back out. And I always felt he was wrong in the way he treated it. I think he should have been a little bit more was it a problem that you were teaching instead of him? Yeah. He felt it was his job to, mm -hmm. to advise a kid. But why was the kid asking me? You know, I was taken out of the dock. I, I, I really didn't know what was, what was happening, and I was trying to be a nice, nice guy and try to help the kid if, if I could, which probably wasn't my job, but I didn't know that. I was too young to know that. Mm -hmm. So anyway, somebody just pulled in out there. Come into the door.
Thank you. Recognize him? No. That's for David's. Yeah. Yeah. So what? What? What would be your? What would be your opinion on incidents such as that? I would get the feeling, of course I wasn't there, there's another man, that it upset him that somebody was asking a team member instead of him. Instead of, you know, so he was probably maybe jealous, I don't know. Well, I didn't go back because of him, believe me. The reason I went back is because so many of my teammates came to him and said, I'll oh, forget it. So, you know, come on out and play ball. So I went out and played ball with him. It was because of them mm -hmm. and not because of him. But he said to me afterwards, you know, he never mentioned the incident mm -hmm. and I never never saw it repeated again. And I never see him jump on anybody like he did on me. Now, I was getting a lot of publicity, I know that. Through the newspapers around here. Manchester Union and the Townsend Times and the New York, I mean the uh, Pittsburgh Sentinel. And I don't know whether the National Telegraph had me on it or not, but anyway, the papers had me on it. And I was getting a lot of publicity. But why, what made him do what he did with a little bit of more understanding, I guess, on the other people's feelings? Doesn't sound like he did a very proper way of it. I don't know. But uh, that's the way I saw it. Don't. <laughs> he was a very outspoken man. He was huge. Oh,はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。はい。
get just as far as some action. At the, and I think that was true with Fred Palmer. I think he had everybody scared to death of him. And whenever he said something, they would react, I guess. Mm -hmm. so. Now, was he the coach of the baseball team the that's two right. years that you were there? That's, yeah, that's him in the corner, mm -hmm. on the right-hand corner. It always interests me to see these old photographs, and this is a high school team, and mm. look how mature they look. You look at, I don't know if it's because I'm not quite so young anymore that they look so young, but all of you look so mature, and you look at the kids today. Well, and look, at, look at me on the end here. Mm -hmm. Two years after quite that. Quite a man. I mean, you don't look like a high school kid. Two years after that picture was taken, I was on board ship, the YMS 396. Minesweeper, and I was in complete charge of the engine room, just like a lieutenant, except I wasn't a lieutenant. And I made them give me more money for the job. I'm not going to do the job without more money. So I took over the job because he advanced me to a motor machinist mate, second class, which cheat on which is a petty officer's rating. At, uh, and he said, that's the highest I can give you. I said, well, that's more money, isn't it? And he said, yeah, almost twice what you're getting now. So I, I, I did the job. I was doing it anyway without the extra money. So I figured that, uh, and I couldn't see anybody else doing it. And he wouldn't give it to anybody else. I said, well, you must have somebody else on here to give it to. And he said, no, no. He said, uh, you're the only one I give it to. So I did it. Your paper too. I love this question. Who were your favorite relatives when you were a child? Oh boy. <laughs> don't look at me. <laughs> Jesus, I don't know. Well, when he was a child, you don't know. He didn't know you, did he? <laughs> we just grew up, that's all I can say. I can't say I had any. I guess my brother Frankie was a, was a kid that we, that I was, and we hung together pretty much as a pair. I, if, if I had to make a choice, I, it would have to be Frankie. But he passed away in 1944, and uh, it was that fall I went into the service, so. What happened to him? Well, I don't know, he had an enlarged heart, and I never could find out. It's one of those diseases, apparently, that were going around, and, and it hit him. But I really don't know what it was. Never, never could find out. All the questions I ever asked, I never get a direct answer. Always get something that left me just as confused as I was before. No answer whatsoever. But we were very close, and we played. He's a good ball player, and uh, but he was a left-hander, and I was a right-hander, and we get along fine. We played together an awful lot. Played catch together a lot. But, uh, Did you have other friends? I mean, around town here that you yeah there spent was spent a lot of time. Winston Hall was probably the closest friend up this way. Wasn't anybody else? We, we, Nancy, we didn't 
we lived over here, and we never got, we never get downtown. The father wouldn't let us go downtown and get into trouble anyway. At, uh, but we never went downtown to play with anybody. At, uh, we, there was enough of us kids together, what, five of us. One, two, three, four, five, six. Is it six? Six kids? <laughs> You know what this sounds like? Barry asking me about his family. <laughs> and we played over here. And like I told you the last time we talked, most of our games were on whatever we did for fun, play, or whatever you want to call it. It was just whatever came onto our minds or come into our minds and on the spur of the moment, that kind of fun plan we'd make up something, ourselves, some game that probably never was heard of before, never heard of since, something like that. But you did a lot of hunting and walking in the woods and yeah. type of thing by yourself, right? Me, you me personally, me? I, yeah, I used to, I used to do a lot of fishing and hunting. Yeah, fishing. And hunting. I, I, I like, love to hunt. I like to get out in the woods. And just walk. And I used to get out of the, from over here and walk up through on top of Russell Hill. And I used to go from this way up by the dump because I could go out here and take what we call the Plains Road, which goes across from the Dupar Google and comes out at the dump. And I used to walk there. And then I used to walk in the, in the Hudson Hill Road, which is this side of the brook that goes to the dump. That road just before you get to the brook turns to the right. Hudson Hill Road. I used to go out that way, walk out that way a lot. I used to walk from here over to well, Wilton, Milford, through the woods there, and then turn around and come back from a different from a different direction. And I get so I knew the woods in Brooklyn probably better than most surveyors had done any surveying over here. I used to have trees out in the middle of the woods somewhere that if I ever got lost, I said if I yeah, and I'm in this area, all I gotta do is look for this certain tree, and then I know where I am and I can get myself out of here. I used to do that a lot. It's interesting. <laughs> now what? <laughs> Family celebrations, holidays and things. What was your favorite holiday? We had <clears throat> I'd say my favorite was either Christmas or Thanksgiving. As a kid? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else to do. So get together and play and for whatever, we, whatever game we had and then have something good to eat. So what was Thinking of Thanksgiving, what was a typical Thanksgiving dinner? We always had turkey on Thanksgiving, always. Mm -hmm. And back in those days, you didn't have turkey very often, did you? Mm, it's true. Very, very seldom. Thanksgiving was probably one of the days that you was almost assured that you'd have turkey to eat. Now, were these domestic turkeys or wild turkeys? T uh, domestic. Mm -hmm. And for Christmas, didn't you? Always have the um, 
rib roast? Quite, we quite often, I think we did have turkey once in a while, but we usually, on Christmas, we, yeah, you're right, had a standing rib roast or something like that, I, I which is pretty good, that. you know, today you appreciate it much more than I did then when I was a little kid. But, yeah. Was there any special tradition that you had for Thanksgiving? I don't think so. And what did you have in addition to the uh, turkey? <clears throat> what did I want? What was what was the usual meal for Thanksgiving? Oh, just and just about anything and everything you think of. Plum pudding. Yeah. My mother always made plum pudding. She must have back then too. There'd be different types of pies, pastry, and plum pudding, turkey with the you know all of. Dressings and gravies and yeah, it's just the general mixture of food, I guess. How else would you say it? It, uh, it wasn't you wasn't limited to just one one type. You, you could eat. You got sick of eating, I guess. <laughs> and there was that many different varieties to eat from. No, I don't. Uh, I don't hold it against anybody. If I didn't have a uh, have a good childhood, which I did, I had a good childhood. Oh, kids growing up, you know, you have your ups and downs, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. But uh, I always uh, thought I get treated all right through my childhood. Get disciplined once in a while, but. Probably needed it. We've certainly had a good cab fest. It's all, it's what, 20 after 11 already. <laughs> no. Well, anyway, I wanted to see this group, and we've done that. So you understand a little bit about the cranberry bog. But a lot, of, a lot of people didn't understand that the bog was, the bog used to scoop 500 barrels of cranberries down here. So that's, that's a lot of cranberries. Mm -hmm. Now the bell, the call a bell for cranberries wasn't, I think it hold, held 40 some gallons or pounds, whatever. Mm -hmm. and, and then you get the, the next drum, which you see now, a lot with oil, these little oil drums. They're around 50, 55 gallon drums. So these cranberry bells were not quite as big as those metal ones that you see running around. But it was a pretty good sized bell. And I think, I'm quite sure they were, they weighed, they, they were measured by the pounds in the bell rather than quarts or gallons or, mm -hmm. or whatever, or a peck. I guess there were a lot of peck measures back in those days, too. Remember that? Peck? Peck, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I know they used to sell, some people would buy a peck of cranberries, and that's eight quarts, which you, I'm sure you're well aware of, being mm -hmm. a teacher. It, uh, so I don't know. But I know that's what the bells held, that uh, it's something to do with quarts and wait, but still a lot of cranberries. 
and they used to, as I said, they used to sell them by half power, which was sold in the stores by a, they used to have a set of scales right there by the cranberries. So if you wanted a pound or whatever you wanted, it, uh, they would measure them out and, and weigh them for you right, right there. Right Where did there. your father sell them? I mean, here in the Brookline store? Or? Uh, you know, my father had a, well, I, don't, I won't say he had a contract, but he had an agreement with the, the a, a Hall Company mm -hmm. store down here mm -hmm. to sell cranberries. They sold his cranberries. Mm -hmm. But he also, he took them to C.A. Cross, which was a distributor out of Pittsburgh. And, uh, and C.A. Cross was, where, was one of the people that advised my father that, that uh, your cranberry is just as good, just as big as any that the Cape comes up with. And in some cases, we had a big cranberry here that was bigger than what the Cape had. And I, I used to call it the Old Howard, but I'm not sure that's the right name for it. But it was shaped like a pear. Yeah. And it was, well, it wasn't as big as my thumb, but there was some berries as big as my thumb. Mm -hmm. And uh, we used to have people come out with a pepper. They come up here for those those particular cranberries, every year, they come and get a big bag of them. And the cake didn't even have them. <laughs> so I was talking about the size. And they were, these people liked them, they said they, they was a better cranberry. Well, I ate them, I couldn't see much difference. Cranberries are cranberries, right? I'm sour, <laughs> tart. They're good for you. <laughs> Oh yeah, I used to I used to eat them very very regular. I used to drink a lot of cranberry juice. We used to make cranberry juice like you, like you wouldn't believe. Had the cranberries, just make them and throw the skins away, right? Well, it's time for me to get to the post office, and I can turn that off now. But you can't tell me any stories. You can tell me you can gossip, but you can't tell me any stories. <laughs> oh. Yeah, careful how you, how you put some of that on the tape. <laughs>